Today's episode is sponsored by Living Joy. Do you ever sit down to read your Bible or go to church and feel like you have five different journals to bring with you? That is so me, yes. Or maybe you sit down and wish you had a guide to help you in your time with the Lord. Well, thankfully, our friends at Living Joy have created this journal just for you. The Redeem Journal and the Intentional Living Journal are the golden tickets for everything you're looking for. There is a tab for literally all the things you would want. Daily reading, daily prayer, worship notes for church, and even a section for random distracted thoughts that come to you, like what to add to your grocery list. Or what to add to your to-do list, if you're anything like me. But now I can simply jot it down and return to my reading. So if you're interested, use code BTB20 for 20% off your journals today when you shop Living Joy online at livingjoyforher.com. Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm Mary Scott. And today we have on one of my friends, Elle. She is amazing and knows all the things about the Enneagram. Yeah, she, um, and if you know Rachel and I at all, we, you know, we're obsessed with the Enneagram and anything that comes with um, self-awareness and personality. And this was just in a really, a really great episode to learn more about all nine numbers and just dip your toes into Enneagram knowledge. So without further ado, here is our friend Elle. Hey Elle. Hey Rachel and Mary Scott. Hey. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> We're excited to have you. Okay, so funny background story. I met Elle when I worked at Shipped mm-hmm. and um, just got to know her really well. It was tons of fun. And then I figured out she was actually an Enneagram coach. Is that how you would refer to yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's what I consider myself bivocational now, but I... I'm certified. I love leading workshops. Um, it's really just a passion project, but yes, I, yeah. I am an Enneagram coach. So whenever people keep asking us about Enneagram, I was like, well, surely we have to have Elle on the show to chat <laughs> all things. And because, okay, believe it or not, I mean, you probably would believe it. This mm-hmm. is probably one of our most requested topics. For sure. you say, Scotty? Crazy. For sure. I mean, it's so popular right now. Yeah. People are just so hooked on knowing more about themselves, but I think the Enneagram compared to all the other ones, obviously, and we can dive into this, is so much more suited or so much well suited because it looks not about what we actually do, but like why we do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I think that's where the Enneagram not only sets itself apart from other personality archetypes, but it's a lot of the power behind it. And empathy and vulnerability are words that are being thrown around like crazy right now, which is a great thing. Um, I think the Enneagram is a really natural step in the direction of, of trying to harness those skills. And um, yeah, yeah, 100%. So for people that might not know what the hecky the Enneagram is, <laughs> how would you shortly explain it just so that we're all on the same page? Yeah, Um For sure. And I think the Enneagram sounds like a scary word if you've never heard of it before, Um, especially if you just Google it and see the the diagram, you may not really know what you're looking at. But the Enneagram really, I would describe is just a map for self-discovery and personal growth. 
So there are nine points and each is based upon a unique way of relating to the world. Um, And like we said before, more so than comparable personality theories like Myers-Briggs or DISC, um, the Enneagram is designed in a way to help people empathize and learn from different types. Um, So it really, it's not putting people in a box. I'd love to talk about that because I think that's the first hesitation people have to the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. Um, but it gives you a starting point um, almost on this map of self-discovery and learning how to Uh, deepen and grow your relationships with the people closest to you. Well, I think Rachel and I can both speak to how the Enneagram has probably like saved our marriage. (laughs) And not only that, but also like our working relationship with each other Mm -hmm. and for just my relationships with all people, I think – I'm I'm a two on the Enneagram and I'm like super non-confrontational. I – I'm always worried about how I appear to others and if I'm saying the right thing and all the things. And can we dive in maybe just on all nine numbers and you can kind of give a snippet so people can maybe, if they haven't figured out what they are, maybe have a little bit of a, of a starting place where they might be. Yeah. I think it's really helpful to go through each of the nine as well, because I, there's so many uh, things I can talk about people assuming type or, um, only really reading. I mean, I have a friend who I said, you know, go research the nine types. And he read the type description for one and was like, that's me. And luckily it was him. But I think that you miss out a lot on, on understanding all nine types. And I think one of the best ways to understand your type is to read a description of all nine types, research, see, see which one, not only you say, oh yeah, that's me, but maybe the one that sounds like you're being exposed a little bit too much. Mm. So, mm-hmm, um, yeah. Yeah. So starting off with type ones, um, depending upon the uh, source of your information, the, the names may be a little bit different, but I stick to the types that Beth McCord uses and Ian Cron uses. Um, so for type one, we have the reformer and they are, uh, they are the most righteous of the types. They are very principled and can see things um, as clearly right and wrong. Um, their hallmark really is having this loud inner critic, uh, which is a thing that plagues them, <laughs> but oftentimes really uh, drives them to act um, with goodness and righteousness, especially in a Christian setting. Um, they're very disciplined and uh, they, have, they have their pitfalls. Everybody does, but they just need to hear the message that they are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so type twos are called the helper. They have this desire to be loved and to feel needed. Um, They are very selfless in their actions and often overextend themselves. They're very caring. Um, It's really, really common for Christian women, particularly Southern Christian women, to identify as a two um, because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of their behavior are things that we're told that we should look like that. But of course, not everybody is a two. Um, mm-hmm. but they really are so selfless. My roommate is a two and I just adore her heart for service um, and have to remind myself not to overuse it. But um, <laughs> they, yeah, the helper really needs to know that that they're wanted just for being themselves. They don't need to mm. um, love for reciprocation. 
Um, similarly, the type three, which is called the achiever. That's me. That's you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's <laughs> a lot of people that um, are in an industry like yours. And I come from Nashville. So there's a lot of threes in the music industry. And mm-hmm. um, they, they love to succeed. It gives them this um, sense of worth, but also um, enjoyment. I mean, it's not wrong for them to try to um, really feel feel value from their successes. But once they know that their value is not inherently tied to their success, I think is where they really find breakthrough. Um, Mm -hmm. They need to know that they're valued for being themselves and not for what they achieve. Um, So threes are really true. Yeah. (laughs) Threes are really (laughs) close to my heart. My dad is a three. um, And it's just so funny. Once I figured out everybody's Enneagram type, how that changed our family. But um, I I am very close to a type four as well. Type fours are the most interesting types and they would love to be told that. Um, They are called the, (laughs) they are called the individualists. (laughs) They are, yes. They love to be, um, to be unique and independent and they value authenticity above all else. Um, They're more often than not artists or have some kind of outlet for creativity. Um, but they, they have this like deep feeling that nobody's ever really going to fully understand them. It's just not possible to be fully understood. And I have to catch myself from talking like a dramatic 13-year-old when, I, when I'm speaking from the perspective of a four. <laughs> because they, they just are. There's just something so um, angsty within them. But they, they need to hear that they're seen for who they are as special and unique. Um, and that they don't really have to try to force that. If they value authenticity above all else, they can just be authentic. Um, I think mm. that's really important. Mm, that's good. Um, I also work in an industry with a lot of fives. So I work in technology. <laughs> um, and the fives are called the investigators. They are um, generally the most introverted. It's pretty rare to find an extroverted five, but they do exist. Um, they have this core desire of just being capable and competent. They often do that through gathering knowledge or um, finding a lot of security in uh, knowing a lot of things about a certain topic or being in a really defined career, um, like a medical profession or engineering. Um, They have really high walls. uh, And I think that they they do that as this wall of self-protection, not in a way that the eights do, which we'll get into that later, but... um, they just need to hear that their needs are not a burden or a problem. So they often are trying mm, to just that's good. keep, ev- yeah, they just try to keep everything within their, their retaining wall. Um, I also describe fives as a cell phone battery. Once it's dead, it's dead. They've got to recharge. Um, mm. And so I think that mm. they often feel some shame in needing that and it's okay. Wow. Wait, this just, whoa, I just had a breakthrough moment. I have a five in my life and that just was like reading their mail. Yeah. That's so helpful. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. The cell phone battery specifically. Mm -hmm. Especially like, I don't have as many fives close to me in life. Um, It's kind of a lie. I believe my brother is a five, but he refuses to commit. Um, (laughs) So, but it is, it's one of those things where I, you know, I'm a seven and so I've got more capacity for fun and stimulation than a five could even dream of. And so in those relationships, I have to remind myself, like, they just need to recharge. Um, Yeah. And it can be really painful for them to go beyond that limit. Yeah. 
So the sixes are the loyalist. They can be a really difficult type to understand too, because they're full of contradictions. Um, they're, they really desire to have security and safety, not only for themselves, but for the people around them. Um, I, I wish that the loyalists were called the lifeguard mm. uh, because I think that they have this reputation of being scaredy cats when in reality they are the most brave of the types. Um, they're constantly, wow. yeah, they're constantly looking out for um, not necessarily just danger, but a threat to the security and comfort of the people around them. But at the first sight of some kind of um, threat to that security, they're the first ones to jump in. To respond, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I have a six in my life as well. Yeah. She's probably going to listen to this episode and know I'm talking about her. But <laughs> we went on a road trip one time and we stopped at a gas station to change clothes. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she asked me, did you walk the car like five times? And <laughs> I remember thinking like, this is, is when so... I think I'm a six. <laughs> really? I'm like, I'm like, yes, we locked the car. I promise it's locked. I can prove it to mm-hmm. you. She's like, can you just push the button again? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then now that I understand oh, the Enneagram, I'm like, it's not obnoxious to me anymore that she cares so much because it's not that she's afraid of threats. It's just that she cares about me so much and our stuff yeah. and our belongings and like things that are important to her and I both that she's like, if I can be the one to make sure something doesn't happen to it or us, like yeah, I want yeah. to be that person. So now I'm almost flattered when mm. I'm like, thank you. You want to lock the car again? Yeah. Okay, sure. No problem. You know, <laughs> cause I feel like, okay, she values me rather yes. than thinking of it as this is so obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. Elle, I'm going to have to help have you help me decide whether I've mistyped because I go between two and six all the time and I know that's a common mistype. Yeah, so common. maybe once you get through all nine numbers, we can talk about why I might be one of the others. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I would love to. Um, I, I see that mistype pretty often between twos and sixes. And um, there, are some couple, there, there are a couple of hallmarks between the two that can help you decide that. But yeah, we can dive into that. Um, another important thing I'd love to say about the sixes is that they, uh, they form a board of executives of their life. Um, and it's one of my favorite things about the six. Uh, and it can be perceived as this inability to make decisions or to act boldly without consults, but I think it's really wise. Um, and so they have people that they go to for the, the biggest decisions in their lives. Um, and it's a really clear indicator of the six because they trust those people and they're really dedicated to the security of those people. Um, and, and like you were saying about your friend, Rachel, like the, the, the message that the loyalist needs to hear is that they are safe. They're safe. Like they can, they can let go of that, um, being on edge because, they are safe, um, but we really do appreciate and feel loved when they use that strength of theirs of always thinking about every detail. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to keep it together, but sevens, <laughs> I'm a seven. <laughs> I'm a seven and I just- Sevens want people to know they're sevens. Are you a seven? Oh my goodness. Yes. I We are the most, one of the most uh, easily typed on the Enneagram, I think, because we are just so- oh, for sure. Unapologetically <laughs> ourselves. Our, um, <laughs> our struggles and our, our shortcomings are, are pretty visible, um, but the sevens are the enthusiast. And I think I, I love the Enneagram because I'm a seven, but uh, we just desire to be happy and satisfied and content. And this thing that people I don't think understand so much about the seven is that it's not that we're naive. It's not that we um, don't want to grow up, although most of us don't want to. 
It's just that we've had to learn how to be in charge of our own, um, our own care, our own self-care. And so we love to turn up the volume on everything in life so that we don't have to worry about Mm. um, negative, negative things or sadness or deep emotional pain. Um, we need to be told that we will be taken care of mm-hmm. and that it's not just mm-hmm. our responsibility to numb all of the, I shouldn't even say numb, but just shout out all of the things that we're suppressing. Um, there's a lot to unpack with each of the types, but I think sevens have such a gift of not only myself, but we have such a gift of um, <laughs> seeing the bright side of things and being encouragers and um, being spontaneous. So I love being a seven. <laughs> I don't think there's a better type. <laughs> the seven needs to hear um, that you will be taken care of. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said before, you know, it's not, um, it's not that you have to keep uh, self-medicating with experience or any of the things that the seven finds joy or pleasure in, um, but that, that will be taken care of ultimately by Christ. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so eights, we've, we've already talked about eights a couple times. It's already come up. They are one, again, one of the most easily typed, um, because they are also just unapologetically themselves. The eights are called the challengers. Um, and they are, um, they are the most energetic of all the types. It just depends upon where they channel that energy. Um, Mm -hmm. they get a bad rap though, because they are very blunt and forward and they Mm -hmm. run into conflict headfirst, um, Mm -hmm. with good intentions, but a a non eight is probably going to have to take a step back and see where that motivation is coming from so that they don't feel like they're just being attacked. Right. Um, For sure. For sure. And their core desire is to protect themselves. It's not that their core desire is to destroy the world. It's to, to protect themselves and and also to protect, um, protect the people around them. They're, they're almost always social, social justice warriors. Um, they love a good cause and they, uh, they have this core desire for justice. So they are um, not the hardest to get along with. I would hate to say that about an eight, Um, but they can be some of the more intense personalities. Um, They also, (laughs) uh, eights are kind of like, like a fire. If it's kept in the fireplace, it's energizing and it's warming and it's wonderful. <laughs> but outside of the fireplace, yes. it could burn down the whole house. So they just have to they have to channel their energy into justice rather than um, like revenge. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you know uh, that when you know good. an eight. You, you know, absolutely. Like, you, like, oh, when you come across no an eight, you're like, whoa, they are an eight. I love that. Yep. <laughs> I feel that way about sevens, eights, and threes, Yeah, I think the most yeah and I think too like eights until I understood them at their core I was terrified of eights but then Mm -hmm. when I realized why they were doing what they did it almost gave me a compassion for eights do you know what I mean I think that's the biggest thing the Enneagram has done for me it's that 
yes, I know more about why they're doing it, but I have such a deep compassion about what they're experiencing inside to make them act a certain way, yeah. you know? That's beautiful. I, I would agree. I mean, eights scared me at first. I lived with an eight for a year and at first was terrified. <laughs> and now she's one of my absolute best friends, but my heart really breaks for the eight. Um, because I, I feel like I can empathize with this misunderstanding that sevens get. Um, the, the eights are often misunderstood as this really rough exterior and people forget, especially with female eights, people forget that there's a really soft, genuine soul beneath that. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I definitely empathize with that. That's, that's beautiful. Uh, the eights are so good. They, um, yeah, the message that the eight needs to hear is that you will not be betrayed. Um, wow. Yeah. And that's heavy. I mean, I think all of the messages are really heavy, but that's this fear. They have this fear that they're going to be betrayed or, um, or harmed and that should break our hearts. Yeah. Um, lastly, the nines, um, the nines are called the peacemakers. My mother is a nine. This is my sweet Thomas. Yeah. He's a nine. Yeah, he <laughs> I <is>. love it. <laughs> um, everybody loves their nines. I think every team and family needs a nine. It's true. It's so true. Um, they are so sweet. My mother and my sister and my boss are all nines. <laughs> so I have a lot of nines in my wow. life. Mm -hmm. And uh, my personality is is pretty dominant. <laughs> and so I have, I've had to go back years and realize how many times I just totally um, bypassed the thoughts or feelings or concerns of a nine because they're so willing to put those behind themselves. Um, yeah. Oh man, I've hurt people. <laughs> um, but nines, they just have this core desire for inner stability and peace of mind. Um, they're generally the most calm mm. of the types. They definitely are the most empathetic. Um, nines are actually the most difficult type on the Enneagram to type themselves. Uh, it's often because they feel like they don't really know themselves very well. Or they can't really decide whether wow. they're introverted or extroverted, or they can't decide what holds more value in their lives than something else. Um, and it's it's out of this desire for for steadiness. Um, they just want harmony and peacefulness, and not to make them sound yeah. consistency. Yeah, that's that's got to be a big one. Um, nines are um, they're never really the first ones to speak up. In, in a group setting, I, whenever I'm doing a typing interview, I ask people, okay, you and your friends are deciding where to go to dinner after, after work. Um, are you the one that's putting all the options? Or are you just going to sit back and wait for somebody to make a decision and go along with whatever it is? Um, it's just such a typical behavior for them, but they, they will do anything to maintain the peace. And often that comes with denying mm -hmm. their own needs and their own desires um, for the people that are closest to them. But the message that the peacemaker really needs to hear is that their presence matters. And I think even more so than that, like their presence matters, wow. their opinions matter, their hearts matter. Um, and it's something I need to tell myself, especially with the nines in my life. I'm like, they need to be reminded that they matter and that they, they have so much value, um, not only inherently, but they're their thoughts and their feelings have value too. I think like the sweetest thing I could tell Thomas that just makes him melt is like, I cannot do this without you. Yeah. And, and mm. he, 
That's so and yeah, good. and it lines up with that message. So that would make mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. After hearing all nine, I can imagine that our listeners are probably now starting to identify maybe with one more than another. But what would you say if someone listened to all nine and was like, you know what, I might be a four or, you know, what, actually, Mm -hmm. I think I might be an eight and just can't decide. And I think one of those, and you probably would go into it, would be thinking through things that you do. Mm -hmm. And you said something to me when we were talking through this one-on-one that was like, you're not typed by your behavior. Yes. Yeah. So going into that, I think would really clarify any confusion someone might have right sure. now. Yeah. And I think that's a really natural thing with most of the exposure that people have to personality types or personality archetypes in general is almost always behavioral. Um, and the Enneagram is not, is not defined by behavior. You, um, it's your core desires and your motivations that define your type. So a two and a six can do the exact same thing. They can look like really similar people, but it's coming from a very different motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the formation of type, I believe, is is something that happens through our early childhood. So nobody has the same experience and those motivations are developed from very different experiences. So I think if you are having a hard time nailing down a specific type, that's one totally okay. Um, there is so much information out there. And I think that, um, first of all, online tests are really only about 70% accurate at best. Oh, I'm so, so glad you said that. Yeah. I'm oh, not a fan again of for the people tests. in the back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not. I mean, they can't, um, I, I think the benefit of talking to an Enneagram coach like myself is that the online tests can't react to the answers that you've given. It's only going to ask you the same 150 questions or whatever it is. Um, so right. I think that the tests can help you narrow it down. And if you're able to do enough research, you know, if you score really high in two and three, you're within the same triad. So you could actually be a four. I mean, we're getting into complicated stuff here, but um, if one, if you're struggling <laughs> with your type, you're not alone at all. Um, but also, I think the best way to learn your type is to do a fair amount of research on every single one of them, self-reflect, think back to key moments in your life. If you've got a childhood memory that continues to impact impact your behavior into your mid twenties and beyond like that probably is an indicator of your type. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think my, my number one resource is going to be, um, well, I have some, some of my favorite resources for online research, but if you, if you can talk to a coach or if you can look at say like an online webinar on the Enneagram, that's going to be the best information for you. And if you're really hitting a wall, there's a good chance you're a six or a nine because those two are the hardest to type. And <laughs> like I said before, nines, like they just, they have a hard time placing priority on some of those core feelings. And so um, it's okay if you don't find out your type the first time you read the descriptions. Right. And if you're anything like me, like I take tests how I want Red, yep. you know, it's like yep. when I took a test, I was a seven and I was dang proud I got typed as a seven. Mm-hmm. And then I started <laughs> like going through right. things and I'm like, hey, it's a sad day. I'm not a seven. Oh, like, like, yeah. dying. Like, I'm a three I am and dying. I have to commit. Mm-hmm. You know, I just was like, you know, I, I, and it was one of those two you said in the very beginning, like it felt so vulnerable reading it because it just yeah. was me to a T that I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a three. Mm-hmm. Rats. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. That is so good. Okay, I think 
another thing that might be helpful to explain just because, you know, what if you're a really healthy eight, but you're really healthy, so you're resembling a two. Can you kind of like explain how we go to certain numbers in health and unhealth? Um, So the actual image of the Enneagram is intentional. All of those numbers are, I mean, one in numerical order, but the nines at the top for a reason and and all the lines have meaning. So like at the beginning, I said the Enneagram really is a map and we can use the symbol of the Enneagram to show us some of the types that we have the closest relation to. Um, so I'm sure if you've heard anything about the Enneagram, you've heard about wings, um, but there's also this um, mm-hmm. stress and security point, which is different from wings, but they are the numbers that your number is tied to on the symbol, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we'll also link a picture of perfect. this picture that you're kind of referencing in mm-hmm. our show notes. So if people needed to go back or look or whatever, once they collect the information, it'd be helpful. Okay, for sure. Um, yes, that, that would be perfect because it, it's not, it's not a perfect circle and there there's intentional gaps between the five and the four, but um, I'll speak from my experience as a seven. Um, I, in, in stress, go to the, the negative behaviors of a type one. And in security, I go to the positive attributes of a type five. So um, these are constantly fluctuating. Wow. Yeah. And those are so different from each other. Fives and sevens just make no sense. For, so for me to, to find myself <laughs> picking up these positive behaviors, and this is where behavior does play a factor in the Enneagram. Your type is not behavioral, but your wings and your stress and security definitely impacts is impacted by behavior. Um, so yeah, as a seven, if I'm starting to exhibit positive behaviors of a five, I mean, that's a great day um, because it's kind of counter instinct in a way. Um, but I think it's one of those ways mm-hmm. that we can really, mm-hmm. one, grow as individuals, become more self-aware um, and empathize with the other types. So um, I think Beth McCord has some of the best, I mean, I, I went through her training program and so I'm a little bit partial, but I think that she has some of the best ways of explaining those. So um, the words that you may use for the stress point or disintegration, there's a lot of terms for this, but kind of the, um, the negative direction that you may be going in your type to another type. Um, generally, that's when we, as if you are a believer, as believers, that's when we're trying to live by our flesh. That's when we're just ignoring the spirit. Mm. We're trying to do everything on our own. Some types are more prone to that than others, but um, that's where that's where sin creeps in, and that's where we just realize, you know, how inadequate we are on our own. <laughs> how we really can't deal with stress or um, heartache or, or whatever it may be on our own, and so we're going to start to pick up those things again, as a seven, like I'm going to pick up some negative attributes of a one. I'm going to become more frustrated and more judgy. Um, you know, if something is put away in the wrong drawer in my house, normally I'd never care about that. But if I'm in that really high season of stress, not only am I not just going to move the item back to where it's supposed to be, but I'm going to ask why it was put there in the first place, you know? (laughs) Sassy L. Oh yeah. Sassy L big time. Um, yeah. 
I am married to a one and okay. when Daniel's healthy, he goes to a seven, you know, mm-hmm. and I literally am like looking at him as a human based on how much adventure he wants to do because yeah. I'm like, oh, you are exhibiting all those seven attributes right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's he, so funny. Knowing that too. I mean, I'm not married, but I've heard so many people use the Enneagram for, for marriages and relationships and knowing that too, it's almost a way to encourage your significant other into security. You know, if they're in this really, Mm -hmm. if they are seven, for example, if they're in this really stressful situation, you can encourage them and be like, Hey, like, let's take a pause. Like, let's, let's get some privacy and turn down all of the stimulation in your life and appreciate things for the details. Um, And so I think knowing things in the people that you care about is a way for you to call them to um, the opposite of that in, of living by the flesh, but living by the spirit is our integration or our our security point. When we are living in the security of being a child of God, we generally pick up those attributes. And so we can call that out of the people close to us if we Mm -hmm. know where they fall in the Enneagram. Oh, I love it. So I really would love to know more about that aspect. So knowing that Mm -hmm. this is a tool, this isn't the truth. Mm -hmm. This is just a tool to get closer to the truth of figuring out how like how the Lord has made us and my, how my personality can reflect him and how my personality can also be dangerous and how my personality, you know, can be used best as a tool to expand the kingdom. So I'm kind of curious once someone types themselves and then they step into, you know, step two and they start doing more research, like how can they follow mm-hmm. up and use this to advance the kingdom or like, know at least maybe even how to love others well. Yeah. Um, So I do think everybody who is exposed to the Enneagram and starts to dive into it, generally, you get so hooked because you feel like you understand yourself. And it's like you have this vocabulary, right? You have this new vocabulary for you to describe how you feel and how you think. Um, There is a tendency there to use that as an excuse. And I will be the first to say that I do that, but I know that it's not. I know that the Enneagram is not an excuse for behavior. But uh, where I think the Enneagram really comes alive is when we use it to understand those around us. So it is so good to understand Mm -hmm. your own type and it's so helpful for yourself personally. But I think that if you work in a team, if you're in a relationship, if you're in a family, I'm sure you're one of these things, it's going to be really helpful for you to understand the types of the people around you, whether or not they take the test, you may be able to figure out what they are. Um, and starting to learn how to try and take a step into their, into their shoes and and see how they're seeing a situation. Um, but ultimately I think the vision for the, any, for, for my, uh, teaching of the Enneagram and my study of the Enneagram is for people to see themselves with clarity so that they can break free from things like self-condemnation and fear and shame so that we can experience love forgiveness and freedom from Christ. Yeah. Um, so like it doesn't so stop with the knowledge. Right. It's no. actually a springboard. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and the Enneagram, mm-hmm. again, like you said, it's just a tool. But I think that if you have the vocabulary of people close to you and not just your own, we can use the Enneagram like a flashlight onto the gospel. And I've said this before. I, I teach the Enneagram in a secular setting as well as in a faith-based setting. And I kind of feel like I can't finish the story if I'm in a secular setting. 
You know, I say, here's where you are. Here's where you want to be. But I don't know how to tell that story without Christ. Yeah. Um, None of us do. (laughs) Right? Exactly. So, I mean, Christ is, uh, Beth says all the time, Christ is the spring of living water. um, And he's the one who replenishes you. He's the one that, that answers the heart, the message that our hearts long to hear. And he's the one that shouts out the fear that we have in our types. So the Enneagram is just a tool that can highlight where we are and where we're going, but the gospel is what gets us there. That's so good. What an incredible distinction. Thank you for that. Because like you said, I mean, the whole point of the Enneagram is not to, you know, have a new, um, I don't know what the word is, but have a new... Right, or like a label. Yeah, like a label. It's just for us to see. I always say when people get nervous, like, oh gosh, is this heretical or whatever? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, if you make it your gospel, it is. But if you Mm -hmm. use it as a tool to see how you can become more like Christ Mm -hmm. in your health, then oh my goodness, what an amazing resource. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love it. (laughs) One of the things I feel like our premarital counselor taught us best, which carries so much further than just our marriage, but he said... You'll find success in your relationships when you study the other person, no matter who Mm -hmm. it is. Like if it's your mom, if it's your dad, if it's your spouse, if it's your friend or roommate, like you will find success in that relationship when you step out of your shoes, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. and study them. And so I love how this kind of sets you up for success in in a lot of relationships to get to know the other person, to anticipate their Mm -hmm. needs before they even have to communicate Mm -hmm. them. Because I feel like a lot of types be are just funny because they don't really know how to communicate their needs well or like they're afraid to communicate their needs well so you're almost able to be there before they get there you know a way that you can be praying for your friends anticipating that that's probably something they're walking through right Mm -hmm. now I just love how yeah this totally can help shape Mm -hmm. and form and bond really healthy relationships which is so cool um how would you say the Enneagram reflects part of the heart of God as well we kind of mentioned it before but how would you say you've seen the lord meet different types or different ways that even the gospel just presents itself to different types curious about that wow yeah the distinction of the enneagram types is such a beautiful display of god's creativity um and just how every single one of those types generally has, I mean, it may not be the same for every person, but in my experience, every single time I tell an eight that they're not going to be betrayed, it hits a chord. Um, so I think that every time, um, we hear that the world can, and maybe I I hope I'm answering your question correctly, but the world's going to try to answer that, but they're always going to fall short, you know, from a sevens perspective, I mean, I need to be told that I'll be taken care of. And there are so many people in my life that tell me that they'll take care of me, but they're always going to fail eventually or just be imperfect, you know, uh, in the way that they, they choose to answer that. But we know that Christ perfectly fulfills the message that our heart wants to hear. So I think it's really different for each individual person, but his word directly answers all of these, um, of, of these core messages that we have, these core fears or this really, I think the core fears come out of a lie from Satan that we believed at some point in our lives. It's true. Like for sure. Not to get, you know, too much into my own story, but I grew up in an environment where I had a sibling who needed more, more direct and love attention than I did just because of some health situations. And 
I then had to learn how to entertain myself and care for myself and became very independent. But the lie Mm. that came out of that was that I wasn't worthy of being taken care of the way that my sister was Mm. or that I, yeah, that I wasn't, that really the true lie is that she needed more love than me. Wow. And that's just not true. And my parents are amazing parents, but they're human. (laughs) And the, the way that they could answer that lie is limited in comparison to how Christ has answered that lie. Wow. Absolutely. That is so good. Well, I would say the same for me is I, I feel like I have a lot of memories that go back to why I've identified myself as a three in my earlier years of, I, yeah. I mean, I had two brothers. One is on the autism spectrum. So we were a lot of times in therapy or had other, you know, people in our house. And it just was really interesting to be growing up. And I felt like, not that I didn't get attention. It's not what I'm trying to say, but I felt like yeah. a lot of the attention I did receive was because I presented something I was proud of or that I succeeded in or an achievement. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, I got a gold star at school today. And the conversation would shift from X, Y, Z to now Rachel. And instead of it just being like, hey, I'm interested. What happened at school today, Rachel? Oh, I got a gold star. So So now I feel like I was trained so young that I'm noticed for my success or I'm noticed for my achievements or how many to-do list items I checked off today. And a good day is a good day if I complete it all. And it's a bad day if I forgot to do something and mm-hmm. which is just not true. But yeah, like you say, it, it gives you a peek into who you are and the way that Christ can meet you in that moment and say, mm-hmm. Rachel, I don't care how many things you do. I don't care how many people you pray for. I don't care if you raise your hands and worship or not. Like I have done this for you and that is just enough. Yeah. And like I've actually wow been the most successful so you don't have to stress yourself to be successful I've won the war you know and Mm, those are the messages that meet me in my type which is so sweet and helps to know who I am and what he's done Mm -hmm. for me Mm-hmm. Here's where it gets very complicated for me. Okay, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I look at my life and this is where I get confused between two and six. I yeah. look back at my childhood and I had a really sick parent my whole life, right? And I grew up thinking I don't want to be in the way. I just want to be this is where it sounds like I'm a peacemaker. I really don't think I'm a nine. Okay. But basically my goal was to simply be loved and not be in the way, right? But the things that happened in my childhood made me scared of everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking for the exit sign. I'm always like the one locking the doors and checking the house alarm three times and all the things. But I just don't know which one is stronger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I it's think- complicated. It is complicated. And two is such a relatable type. I don't know if that's really the word I'm looking for, but um, especially especially within the church, you know, we all are charged to serve and to love and uh, to pick up some of the behaviors that a two is going to have. Um, and so I think that's where the lines can get blurred sometimes between two and other types. Um, based on what you've said, I really would think that you're a six. But, um, really? 
Yeah. And but then my wing, what I think is my wing three, (laughs) what I think is my wing three is so strong. Like I have such an achiever in me in this performance thing that I just feel like it has to be a two or three. And I can't fathom me not being in the heart triad because I'm probably the most feely person there is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I get very confused. We can talk about this off air, but I just, it keeps me up. Yeah. (laughs) It does. L. it does. I mean, Rachel, I remember when you went through that mini crisis, that mini identity crisis. Oh, I thought I was a four. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I was like, L, I'm a four. And you're like, we've all been there. (laughs) We have all been there. And I, I had a friend of mine tell me that I was a three and you would have thought that was the most insulting thing she'd ever said to me. (laughs) How dare you? Like, I, I know, no, I live my life as a seven. I know that I'm a seven. And Again, not to reference my family <laughs> like, too much. I rebuke that. I yeah. rebuke that, of course. And it's not because threes are bad, but my dad's a three. And I said, I just, I think I learned how to behave <laughs> to please a three and a nine in my, in my mother oh. as well, that that's where it can get confusing. But I know that my motivation is not the same. So oh my gosh. it really yeah. does come back to that, yeah. to that motivation. Okay, well – can you share some of your favorite resources? I know you've talked about Beth McCord, who I really do love her. I follow her, and I think she's very wise in the Enneagram. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, maybe some books that you love on the Enneagram sure. or websites. Like, I know the Enneagram Institute is mm-hmm. great, but you might think that that's not great. I don't know. What do you sure. think from your perspective is great? I think um, if you are just diving into the Enneagram, the first place you should go is the Enneagram Institute. Okay. While it does – um, it does have a, a test that you have to pay for. I don't think that, that that is necessary. Um, and you can still access all of the information on all of the types, uh, without paying for the test. Also the Enneagram Institute has information for each type pairing. So there's no, yeah, there's no perfect Enneagram matching. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm no matchmaker. You, I can't tell you that if you're a six that you should marry a one, I can't do that. But, um, in fact, I would encourage you not to only (laughs) um, consider friends or relationships in in one type because it's really the beauty of of having an eclectic group of of people in your life. Um, But the Enneagram Institute uh, is really robust in their their information. Um, It's a great starter. Um, As far as books, I think The Road Back to You is is a really great primer. they go through all of the mm-hmm. types. They ask really, mm-hmm. uh, really great questions at the end of each type to help you figure out your type. But if you don't know anything about the Enneagram, I would really start there. Um, for next steps, I think that Self to Lose, Self to Find by Marilyn Van Seal is one of my favorite Enneagram resources. I would not read that before reading a primer. Um, or feeling like you have a good understanding of all nine types. Um, But that has been one of my favorites. Um, I think that (laughs) podcasts are great. There's also a Road Back to You podcast. The Road Back to You podcast is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I can't believe we haven't brought up Sleeping at Last yet. I was just about to say, please, please. Yes, please. Sleeping at Last. Here Um, she is. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Sleeping at Last, um, Ryan O'Neill. Well, Ryan is a Enneagram 9, so he automatically just has this better vision of every type. Um, But he is a a musician and a singer and songwriter um, who has written, as of today, 
all nine songs are released to subscribers, but the nine song will come out, I think in like a week or two weeks um, to the public. But he has a song that he has written for every single type. And I want to just brag on him for a second because um, he has taken like three years to write nine songs each from the perspective of each Enneagram type. And he has taken months for each song so that he can study and interview. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. there's so many little Easter eggs within the, um, within the songs, like the artists, the the musicians that play on each song have to be that type um, aside from himself. And then he has asked his friends and family that identify as that type to send in sound bites that represent who they are. So it could be everything from children laughing to the sound of making, making a bed or um, people had like heartbeat monitors and they're all incorporated into the song. So one, I think that the songs are really amazing and I do not know a single person that has not cried listening to their song for the first time, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he, he does a, um, I'm getting too excited now, but he does a podcast for each of the nine songs where he goes back and he explains everything um, to, to where he got or how he got to where he wrote the lyrics for each one. Then he also has Chris Hewitts, who is an Enneagram expert, speak to each of the nine types. So wow, 100% would wow. recommend. I have to tell you this one lyric to yes. the three song that rocked my world. And I'll never forget it. It's gold, silver, or bronze hold no value here where work and rest are equally revered. Wow. And I'm like, that's so it. Like, wow. it's not about rating or wow. placing. Actually, Daniel did cry when he listened to the to the one because I, it's so hard for ones to receive that. And I don't know what it was, but I saw my grown husband yeah. shed a tear. I mean, I did. I, I counted down the days until the seven song came out. I had been listening since the one song was released. Um, and so it felt like an eternity. I thought it was just cruel to make a seven week long for something. But um, I, everybody has that line in theirs. And mine was, um, but I want to be here, truly be here to watch the ones that I love bloom. And I want to make room to love them through and through and through and through. And I just had this moment of, I am so quick to tell myself that I don't love people well because I'm selfish and I, um, I act before I think. And um, so many of these things that I can attribute to my type, but also are just ways that I sin. But it was this way of me being like, I do. I want to make room mm-hmm. to love the people around me um, through and through and through. Oh, God. It's just so good. So good. So good. Oh, oh. <laughs> a few more things. We always do this at the end of our episode, but yeah. just things, Enneagram or not, just anything that you're loving these days, you're listening to or reading that you have to share with the people. Yeah. Um. I, let's see, what am I reading? I just started a book called The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. Um, and that is by Priya mm. Parker. Uh, I haven't finished it yet, but it's really wow. good. And uh, I love I love entertaining and I love gathering people in my home. And I, yeah, I think that I've used the Enneagram to find my passions in a lot of ways. Um, and one of them is hospitality. I love, love, love inviting people into my home, especially into my mm-hmm. kitchen. Um, 
So that's been really great. And along those lines too, I am obsessed with any kind of uh, Netflix documentary on like the the cross of culture and culinary arts. Mm-hmm. So I love those too. Yes. Yes, like salt, fat, acid, heat yes. changed my world. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'm currently watching Ugly Delicious and it's been really cool. And I think this is a way that I actually, not to use the Enneagram all the time, but I think this is a way that I have found um, uh, a security in, in my fiveness is that I find all the details of this so interesting and mm-hmm. um, kind of the more... Uh, I feel like I'm studying something. I miss school a lot. Um, (laughs) So I love that. But also just love, I love all the new albums that are coming out right now um, for summer and really into that new Judah and the Lion album. So I love it. It's it's so fun. (laughs) Elle, you are like a fountain of knowledge and everything even further than the Enneagram. So we just, we cherish this time with you. Thank you. And, um, I feel like this has just been a blink of an eye. I hope you feel the same, but I, do, I think yeah. we could talk about the Enneagram forever and ever really for sure. If people wanted to come to you and ask you all of their Enneagram questions or have you coach them, where can people find you to do that? Yeah. Um, so I have been resisting creating any social media around the Enneagram <laughs> because I, I wish it is very that I trendy. dedicate. It is. Yeah. And I don't think I can keep up with some of these Instagram people. Um, I would love to do that one day, but right now I talk about the Enneagram not very frequently on my personal social media, but I do have an email, uh, which is Enneagram with L at gmail.com. And that's how I set up one-on-one sessions and any of the workshops that I've done, uh, and even just answer questions for people. Uh, so I have a couple different options where I can meet with you and do a typing interview, or if you just want to dive a little bit deeper into your specific type, but I do prefer to do work uh, or group workshops um, and have done that in people's homes for their small groups or their team at work. Uh, As long as I know the general demographic of who I'll be presenting to and particularly whether or not you want this to be a faith-based event, um, I can always create like custom material for your people. So, um, wow, that's so cool. Well, if anyone is interested, we will put all of that information in our show yeah. notes so they can access it easily. But Elle, thank you so much for spending time with us today. You are incredible. <laughs> thank you guys so much. I've had such a fun time and I love talking about the Enneagram and I feel um, I feel the most excited when I get to talk about it and faith in just an unhindered way. Um, so this has been really fun and I hope that people can use this to deepen their understanding of their relationship with the Lord and also their relationships with the people around them. So amen. thank you guys for letting me, letting me talk all about it. <laughs> Anytime. I feel like even if you came into this episode, knowing something about the Enneagram, you're leaving with more knowledge. And hopefully if you knew nothing about the Enneagram coming into this, you're leaving knowing your type. I think being aware is really cool. And I'm so thankful for Elle and everything she had to say about Um, how it just doesn't stop with being self-aware. It is a story that Christ is at the beginning, middle, and end. 
Absolutely. And just to reiterate what it means to learn about the people around us and have compassion about what they're dealing with and what they're struggling with and how they think and how they act. I just think what a gift we can give to ourselves and to all the relationships we find ourselves in today. Okay, so we've kind of been keeping a secret and I think it's about time that we tell them about our next best thing. How you think so? I think so. Are you guys ready? We are hosting a Behind the Bliss live event. That's right. We're first coming to Birmingham, Alabama, where we're going to host a live event recording an episode for you. We'll have fun snacks. We'll have sips. We'll even have our merchandise, our very first shirts. We are so excited. I've been working on for forever. So to be able to announce this means the most. It really does. And I think really more than all of the fun, pretty things that will be there, I think it's just going to be really amazing to put you know, our audience to like a face and see people and give people hugs and just do life together, you know? To be able to hug you and meet you in person and to know your name would mean more than you would know to us. So I think hosting a live event is a great next step for the Behind the Bliss podcast. If you are in Birmingham on Friday, June 21st, you can meet us at Bloom Studio. Make sure to purchase your ticket. We'll link everything you need to know in BehindTheBlissPodcast.com.